Hello, I'm Seth M. Siegel. Welcome to the Let There Be Water podcast, a conversation featuring ideas and solutions to some of the world's most pressing water issues. Our guest today is Felicia Marcus, chair of California's Water Resources Control Board. Her board's wide-ranging responsibilities include water quality, quantity, resolution of water disputes, and the upgrade of California's water infrastructure. In any times, this would be a challenging job. But in the fourth year of a severe drought, it is central to California's ability to preserve the world-famous California lifestyle and to keep the state's dynamic economy growing. Felicia Marcus, I'm delighted to welcome you to the Let There Be Water podcast. I'm delighted to be here. Well, you sure did some pretty good timing here. You become head of the uh, <laughs> uh, California Water Resources Control Board just around the time that the uh, historically horrible drought hits. Do you have any stock tips for us as well? <laughs> no, but I, I did go out and buy some lottery tickets. didn't work. <laughs> yeah, I have. Fortunately, every time I seem to go into government, unprecedented disasters hit. So I, if I have some guardian angels, they have a sense of humor. Yeah. Well, on the other hand, you know, when times are tough, I guess you want to turn to some of the best people to fix the problem. So we're glad that you're on board. Uh, talk, if you would, about the scope of the Water Resources Control Board. What is the mission of it and what do you spend your time focused on? Well, we have a, a rather broad scope. I'm certainly not the water czar. I'm, I'm part of a team and we all have our different roles to play. Uh, we hit on uh, all cylinders. Well, one is we administer the state's water right program, which of course becomes very important in drought conditions where we have a system that dates from the gold rush era. We also run the state's water quality regulatory program. We work on regional boards that are arranged by watershed in the in the state. It's a very big part of what we do, perhaps the largest single chunk. And then about a year and a half ago, the governor and state legislature moved the state's drinking water program over to us so there'd be one agency responsible from source to tap for recycled water permits and, and perhaps most importantly for dealing with disadvantaged communities. And then on top of that, the governor gave us emergency authority to do emergency urban conservation uh, regulations, which have reached into nearly every home in California or every yard in California, to be sure. So we've been on deck on everything. We'll, we'll get to more about the household regulations and how it affects California in a few minutes. But could you talk a little bit more about the ways in which California has changed its focus, if it has? It seems to me that until fairly recently, the environmental movement was focused on very much on water quality. And now it seems that the emphasis has switched to water quantity. Am I right in that assumption? Well, I think, I, I don't know that you are. I think that there's always been a tremendous emphasis in the environmental community on the efficient use of water, on, even since the 90s. The focus has been on pushing recycling and stormwater capture. Of course, all of the dialogue about more efficient use of water and reuse of water has really accelerated tremendously in the in the drought. But it's not just because of the drought. We came up with an integrated plan, water action plan, before the drought to say this is what our pledge is to the people over the next five years. We want to change the dynamic. And what we were saying is, all right, everybody, you've got some people here talking about efficiency. You have other people talking about storage. You have other people talking about dealing with the Delta. Other people, we've got to do it all. Let's get over ourselves and go. Come with us. If you look at the aquifers of California now, they're actually more distressed than they were five years ago. 
Democrats. How do you, in your decision making, obviously we don't want to destroy the economy of California and you don't want to end the agricultural bounty that California produces, but how do you think about the drilling levels as we go deeper and deeper into the aquifers? I think there's a lot of a local effort that needs to take place, and I think the state may need to step in in localized circumstances. I'm just thrilled we actually finally have a framework that I think will be good to get folks into groundwater management regime that's owned by and directed by locals with state oversight. I do think we have to keep our eye on the future as we deal with these issues. I'm focused on trying to figure out how we can be of assistance to those early adopters and folks who are trying to get it done so we can have some successes which will lead to greater success in other communities as they own their future by uh, getting a hold of groundwater pumping in a way that is fair to their communities. Do you have a success story in the aquifer groundwater world that you can point to? or is it Oh, many of them, yeah. I mean, there are vast swaths of California that have excellent management of their basins. Either they're fully adjudicated, having gone through a multi-decade court process. Most of Southern California is adjudicated. There are some who have special districts like the Santa Clara Valley Water District, which is very well managed. And then there's some counties who've stepped up to do a good job, like Butte County. So we had plenty of examples of uh, how to do it right. And uh, a lot of what we're doing is being matchmakers to introduce people to each other. We're We're not inventing anything. And when you say doing it right, is doing it right the better groundwater management, the reviving of the aquifers? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, it's managing it. It's it's uh, figuring out how to get those basins uh, back into a reasonable balance to avoid undesirable results. You know, in those areas, it's a combination of figuring out how to share the reasonable yield of those basins some cases, that means crop switching so the farmer can maintain their economic yield but use less water. And in many cases, it, it's adding water through recycled water and stormwater capture. How, how much is your job made harder over the fact that you have so many water agencies and utilities in the state? It seems to me that from a governance point of view, it's hard to gain consistency because there are so many stakeholders some motivated by what they see as the best interest and some motivated simply by politics and some motivated by just tradition. Well, I think the whole nature of our system is a local control system. And so it doesn't necessarily make my job harder because it's not my job most of the time. Uh, It's just that we've stepped up in the drought to say, hey, when we weren't seeing urban California react quickly enough to the potential threat of a multiple-year drought. The bell we rang and the reason why the administration took the unusual step of saying, okay, guys, you've got to conserve even more, was in case we were in an Australian-style drought that goes for 10 years because the Australians told us you know, they thought they were in the same usual three-year drought cycle for about six years. And then it rained a little, and they thought, wow, we dodged a bullet. And then they had the three worst years yet. And so their advice was really conserve early, particularly on your outdoor landscapes, uh, so it can buy you the time to be able to roll out your recycling, stormwater capture, and desal in a more calibrated way. And so we were actually taking the step in terms of facing a potentially bleak future versus hoping it was going to rain. And, you know, fingers crossed that we'll get more rain this season, but it it really has been the wake-up call of all wake-up calls. Do you think the American lawn is dead? we finish with that as an idea? I don't 
think it's gone, certainly in more water-rich or water-consistent communities. So I think we're having a generational change, and I think people realize that just because the lawn came with the house doesn't mean that they have to keep it that way. I also think what people have learned in this drought is how much water they were spending on their lawn that wasn't necessary because since we've had these rains, I mean, you got green lawns everywhere. It comes back. So can we talk about desalination, another controversial area in California? Where where do you see desalination in the future? Obviously, Carlsbad plant opened in the middle of December of last Mm -hmm. year. Where do you think 10 years from now desalination's role will be in the water profile of California? I think desalination definitely has a role in our future, particularly as the technology evolves to figure out how to be more fish-friendly and less energy-intensive. I think it's a tool in the toolbox. It is among the most expensive water we have. But in some communities, it's a little bit harder. If you look at the San Diego area, they don't have a large groundwater basin that they can use to store recycled water and stormwater, so they don't have the same options that an Orange County, a San Gabriel Valley, or L.A. have. But as our population grows, as climate change takes hold, the cost of water will go up in a lot of ways. We'll have made tremendous progress in recycled water, and there'll be some communities for whom desalination is a good option, including some of the smaller communities along the central coast. Also, brackish water desal is definitely on the up and up, which uh, doesn't have the marine impacts and doesn't have the same energy profile. So it's, I think we're going to be in a decade of a lot of experimentation, and, and desal is going to have a role in that. What role do you think price is going to be playing in California's water future? It seems to me that without a sensible pricing system that incentivizes conservation and incentivizes, more importantly, the smart use of technology, whether it's in agriculture or in household use, that we're really never going to get ahead of this problem. Well, we can make progress, but I think you've hit on a very important issue. And it's funny, we don't have a controlled water system or water economy like some other places do, whether Australia or Israel or even some other states are managed differently. We've literally got thousands of water agencies, so it's a very decentralized system. Do you have a role model that you're following in doing this, or are you guys mostly, and I don't mean this in a negative way, are you mostly making this up as you go along? Well, I think, you know, uh, there there are a lot of great thinkers and actors in the water community. I mean, nothing we're doing is rocket science. It's just we're making a choice to do it all and to challenge everyone to come with us rather than just say no. A lot of our task and a lot of the work that we do at the board is to look at a water body like the Bay Delta. We have to identify all of the uses, and that ranges from fish and wildlife to recreation to agriculture to municipal use, you name it. And then we figure out how do we maximize the most for the most of them. But many times people will come in in a political setting and they'll argue uh, all or nothing. You know, you'll have folks from agriculture come in and dismiss fish. You'll have folks in the environmental community who will dismiss ag, and it's really not helpful. So what we're doing is giving voice to those people who are reasonable, who acknowledge that every every player has a right to be here, and we give the most voice and we the most credence to folks who help us find that challenging balance versus folks who are hurling rhetoric from the, the grandstand. As you look out at the world at large, what are the lessons that you think we can learn for an ever-drier world from the California experience? What would you, if you were queen of the world, what is the message you would be giving? 
I think we have more to learn from other places than we have to teach in many levels. But I think California has been on the march towards more integrated water management. We have been the lead in conservation, recycling. Uh, What we've been able to do in the course of the drought is just accelerate that vastly. We are a, a place where solutions can happen. And for the rest of the U.S. to look at, we certainly look to Israel, we look to Australia, and we look to other places who have had even deeper droughts for every lesson we can possibly gain, and frankly, for inspiration. Well, thank you so much. Felicia, do you have anything else you'd like to share with us? Well, yeah, let there be water. Yes, let there be water. Thank you, Felicia Marcus, for joining us on the Let There Be Water podcast. I hope we get a chance to have you come back again soon, maybe after a rainy season or two. Good luck. Thank you. This edition of the Let There Be Water podcast was directed by Jamie Black and edited by Morel Frankel, with production assistance by Alexander Lindroth and creative input from Krasimir Galibov. Thank you for listening. <laughs>